Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 193, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. My name's Cedric Golden. I'm joined, as usual, by my guy, the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And Duck, it's a jam-packed podcast today. Texas legend Eric Metcalf will be joining us a little later, but first the Texas Longhorns venturing out to the Plains to play Texas Tech on Saturday. And we are joined by Texas Tech head coach Matt Wells. The Red Raiders are are off to a 1-0 start after a 35-33 win over Houston Baptist. And uh, we're excited about that game. How you doing, Matt? Good. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing super. Uh, You've been here a little over a year now. Have you been Texanized yet, Matt? Kirk, I'm going to let you give me the definition of that and then let me answer that question. Well, I don't know. We'll see if, how many y'alls you sprinkle in, and I assume you adore Tex-Mex and Shiner. Uh, listen, I grew up in Oklahoma in a small town in Oklahoma, and ain't y'all and fixing were absolutely part of my vocabulary. <laughs> well, we're fixing to have a great, great matchup on Saturday at, at Jones Stadium, and I am – I'm excited about it. I know um, – you guys avoided the upset 35-33 over Houston Baptist in the first game. And uh, we spoke with Tom Herman this past uh, Monday, and he he's, he cautioned people who are saying just because uh, they only won by two over Houston Baptist doesn't mean they're going to get not going to give Texas a great game. Uh, what's the mood in your locker room after avoiding that upset and getting that W? I think the biggest thing, Cedric, is uh, we're focused on us and um, – you know, trying to correct mental mistakes that were made from, from two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and, and really getting – how do we get ourselves better? Um, we understand, you know, Texas and, and the opponent and, and how good they are. But, you know, when you ask about the mood directly, it's more about us. And it's about um, getting us uh, ourselves better and improving from week one to week two and then moving on and improving from week two to week three. Uh, continuing to keep the bar high not settle around here and um, trying to move the culture in the right direction. Well, you, you mentioned culture and uh, I know that's a big thing with you. Um, I know you're looking for a whole lot of, I guess you call studs or football junkies. I know. Uh, how long does it take to build a culture? Uh, Cliff uh, had middling success. Mike Leach had a whole lot of success. But uh, you're taking over a program that, you know, hadn't won a bowl game since 13. How long do you feel like it takes to build your culture? Well, you know, Kirk, that's, that's a good question. That's, um, you know, I, I don't think you'll get coaches to, to give you an answer directly. Uh, 
fans, media, uh, boosters, maybe even ADs will have their own answer. <laughs> and uh, rightfully so. Right. I'm good with that. You know, coach's timeline is I wanted it to, to change last year. So what has changed last year? What would that have been for us? Probably getting in a bowl game and, and, um, and you know, winning a couple of those close games that we lost. So we didn't. So did that mean the culture took a step back? Heck no. No, we're moving that thing in the right direction. Sometimes the, the, the culture and the scoreboard results don't often match up. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, coaches are, you know, and, and we're no different, uh, very impatient by nature. We did want it to happen yesterday. There's some things um, that may take a little longer, and, and, so, and a lot of those are culture and how you do things and how you're accountable and you're disciplined and your work ethic every single day if it hadn't already been ingrained in you and you're trying to change someone's way of thinking. So, um, you know, and I think you can liken that to many professions and um, around, you know, the, our country, not just college football, but changing that in the locker room. Yes, it does take time. How much? I don't know. Um, that'll, you know, I guess remain to be seen, but we're all, res- I'm in a results oriented business. We all know that. And, Right. And I want success very, very quickly. But what we won't allow happen is for the logo to be um, diminished in any way. And that's what kind of the we, us, and our deal. It's all about a team. And we're going to do things the right way. And we're going to do things the way we believe that will win games ultimately in the end. Because I do believe you'll be a product of all of that on the field if you're recruiting right and you're developing your talent the right way. I love it. Uh, I know, Coach, uh, uh, changing a culture is not easy. Um, but uh, 2020 has brought with it some unique challenges, not only uh, for our country, but also for football programs. Um, you guys had 21 active cases at one point, uh, coronavirus in 75, dating back to June, but you reported zero positive cases this week. Uh, how are you guys able to turn that around and – or was it was it that uh, specter of herd immunity that I keep hearing uh, that came across your uh, locker room? How did that change up? Well, you know, I think our guys, and this is a uh, this is a virus that you can't see. It's clear. I think you can do a lot of things the right way. Every one of us can, and you can still get it. Absolutely. Um, I think you can be very disciplined and very accountable. So I don't. I don't believe the numbers reflect unaccountability or an undisciplined team or person. Sometimes they could in, in certain individual situations or some outside of this building that I don't know of. And I think you just kind of evaluate them each time they come up. You also, um, you know, you have the contact tracing deal that I do believe is a learned behavior. We've all learned um, how to avoid that. That's what you want to do. You want to avoid that which hopefully in turn avoids you becoming positive. And so um, I think our guys have handled it really well all summer. They've done a really good job. We mask up, you know, in the facility. I'm not right now because I'm in the office by myself or in my office, but we, we do. We, we do it even though it's not mandated by the Big 12. We, we do it, the visors, the masks, the splash guards, all at practice. Obviously, these guys have their uh, – uh, option to do what they want on game day out on the field and then mask up when you get to the sidelines. But, you know, 
we're abiding by that. And I think our coaches and our players have done a really good job. And, you know, at, at some point the numbers will go down and, the, and they have for us. You mentioned uh, some of your close losses last year. You finished four and eight, but now you may have been four plays away from maybe reversing that and go at eight and four. Lost two on last second field goals and yet a controversial call in the Baylor overtime. How close were you? How excruciating were those losses? And and I know you know how much that would have jump started your program. That's the understatement of the year, Kurt. <laughs> He's good Sorry at that. Sorry, it wasn't affiliated with Texas, but and it was affiliated with Texas Tech. But that's the statement of the year, right there. Understatement of the year, uh-huh. um, because it would have. It would now. Let's just talk about that philosophically. It would have jump started our program. You made mention of it, not me. Right. Yes, it would have in the eyes of many. Right. Uh, because I understand that I'll ultimately be evaluated on the left-hand side of the ledger, sure. the left-hand side of the scoreboard. I get that. But that, doesn't, that wouldn't have meant that the culture was flipped. And that doesn't mean that we were the accountability and the discipline to the level that we wanted it and where we needed it to be, even though the record may have reflected it. So would I have rather had that? Heck yeah, are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, I'd rather fake it till you make it. That's what that would have been. That's exactly what that would have been. So I'm not discouraged because of the progress we've made, even though the, we did not win those close games. I don't, you know, in some ways, I don't believe we, we earned that. Right. I think you earn your luck, Kurt, in, in close right. games. I also think you can master situations in games, and we've certainly tried to do that quite a bit. I actually think that's why we won the Houston Baptist game because we won some situations in the game really good. The end of the second quarter, um, a fourth down stand, goal line stand, a four-minute with 3.38 off the clock at the end. We took away all their timeouts. We never gave the ball back to them. We did some stuff like that that we did not do last year. Had we done that in the Kansas game, we'd have won the Kansas game and never come down the field goal. Mm-hmm. Had we done that in the Baylor game, it would have never gotten to overtime and the call that you mentioned. So – those are, things, those are ways that we can improve, we need to improve, and, and we got to get better at and that will help us win close games. You know, Jones AT&T Stadium is a, is a, a hotbed. It's a beehive almost Saturdays, but you're going to be at 25% uh, capacity on Saturday. How does that change, and uh, how much will you miss uh, having that advantage of a packed house, the tortillas flying, and uh, – that's what I heard Ellinger said. Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says there might be flying at 25% capacity. <laughs> what do you think about that, Coach? Well, they may be flying at 100% of the 25% capacity after that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. Uh, no, Cedric, that's a good question, but I think it'll be the same answer you ask anybody. It's, it's um, you know, it's, it's too bad. Um, and that's a that's – a, um, you know, it's a negative, obviously, off of the COVID-19 deal that we're going through. Uh, that crowd that's behind me right there, when, when it's full and it's loud, Red Raider Nation is, they're loud and they're proud. They're, they're passionate about Texas Tech. You feel it. The home team feels it. You know, I know the visiting team and, and coaches feel that against them. That's a big, it's a big home field advantage for us when it's full. So um, 25%, they'll be pretty loud, though. 
And I know, Matt, you're a big recruiter. You're big into recruiting. Here you are trying to recruit Texas kids from Oklahoma when you did a lot of your coaching in Utah State, but you used to recruit Texas then. Also, you got 12 grad transfers in the last year and a half, some of them with two years eligibility. What's the key to being an attractive place for grad transfers? Well, I, to be an attractive place, I think you need to have past success. Mm-hmm. But Utah State, um, we took one or two every year, and every one of them, uh, I think maybe except one, were Power Fives guys. And, and um, I think it's just relating to those guys, what they need, what they're looking for, and it, and it needs to be spot on with what you're looking for, too, True. to have the right mix. And then you need success. And, and um, we tried to capitalize on – like our, as a staff, previous success at Utah State with grad transfers, as well as this logo. Chris Beard had tremendous success with, with grad transfers. You know, the, the final four year, he had two out of the five starters. That's 40% of your starters. The two were grad transfers. And last year, he had two starters that were grad transfers. And he got two or three this year. Mm-hmm. So it's an athletic department success. And those kids can see that and they can feel it when they come here to visit and and um, that is kind of the vibe here. And then, but I do think that you need success out of those guys. We had success last year with our first round of grad transfers. We took a lot this year again. And then on top of it, guys, I needed to get old. I needed an older team to compete in this league. And that is not the, um, the end-all, be-all, but it's a part of the solution. And I think we will continue to do it here for the next few years. And Maybe at some point down the road, that number goes down just a little bit. But I do think that we will continue to uh, attract them. And I think they'll see Lubbock and Texas Tech and our campus as a place that grad transfers have a lot of success. And, you know, um, lots of juniors on this year's roster. Um, I was taking a look uh, at that offensive line and so much respect coming from Texas in regards to your guard, uh, Jack Anderson. Uh, they, they, the other linemen are really impressed with him. Um, uh, your center Dawson Deaton is back, uh, but I'm interested about your, your tackles. You brought a couple of transfers and Ethan Card and um, Josh Berger. How, how are they looking and how was their camp? Yeah, I think, you know, I think they did some, some, uh, some good stuff Saturday night. I think they actually both were bright spots last Saturday night, but guys, they'll, they'll have their obvious. Um, here's the understatement of the, interview the obvious biggest test uh, of the year Um, potentially their toughest test right now uh, with these guys that Texas has um, you know 46 and 98 there'll be loads for our guys those guys are talented obviously we saw Joseph last year and man he's gotten bigger he's he looks stronger I guess Um, but these guys are they're they're thick they can rush the passer they're really good and they're tough against the run so um, they, they've got a big challenge on their hands Saturday afternoon. Can you kind of describe your offense? Uh, I understand you're incorporating a tight end. I thought that was illegal in Lubbock. It was an ex- endangered species. But uh, are you the air raid? How would you describe your offense? Yeah. No, we're not the air raid. But, Kurt, I mean, be real frank, we do have some air raid principles in the game, uh, in, the, in our game plans and, and in our playbook. Yeah, there's some, there is some background into that with some of, the, some of the routes. We want to run the ball. We're going to try to play as fast as we can. But truth be told, we want to run the ball. And we want to play physical. And to do that, the tight end gives you that ability. Um, 
you know, we came in last year and converted a big wide out to tight end, and I thought Dante Thompson did a real good job. And, um, you know, Travis Koontz is a junior college guy that played a little bit last year. Now he's the starter. Um, we're going to have some really good young tight ends in the programs here in the next few years. Uh, I think it'll be a strength. We're going to try to recruit the tight end that has the ability to, to go vertical and to catch the ball and really stretch the field vertically for a tight end body in the matchups against backers and safeties, but also gives you some physicality. Uh, it expands the gaps that the defense has to defend in the run game. Um, you're just so limited if you're in 10 personnel, four wideouts in the, in the run game. Everybody knows that. So I do think it gives you a lot more variety in the run game. And Alan Bowman, he, he just scratched the surface. I know he's only had 11 starts and had every conceivable kind of injury last year with collarbone yeah. and lungs. Yeah, I do. I think so. We've got to keep him healthy. I think that's the big key. And, you know, can he put together a full season? If so, I think his numbers will be real good. He continues to improve. Um, Coach Yost continues to give him more freedom in the offense in terms of checking plays and calling plays, and that's something that we need to take to a, to a different level as the year goes and even into year three next year. And I think that's where you can become a lot more multiple when your quarterback can handle a whole lot more. You know, and Allen was electric against uh, HBU, uh, 38 of 52, 430 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Um, talk about, if you would, a, um, his relationship with your great receiver, C.J. Vasher, and these – Keyshawn Carter, and I'm going to try Eric Izukama, if I, if I, if I got that right. Good job. Let me help you out. Chukarika <laughs> Ezekama would be exactly how you say his name. You say that again. Say, say that. that again, Matt. How did you say Chukurika that? Chukarika Ezekama. Chukarika? That sounds like the gold rush. We're, we're done, Cedric. You need to practice on that. All right, I practiced all summer. Um, he goes by easy. It's, it's good. Good easy. for him, yes. Wow. You know, I think the relationship is, is uh, developing. I don't think it's ever reached um, its peak. That's what you hope um, as a coach that they continue to work together. And it's, um, you know, Allen's been a, technically a three-year starter, but he hadn't played 36, <laughs> 38, 39 games. He's never okay. played against uh, most three-year yeah. starters, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's barely a one-year starter it's just in terms of the amount of games. So, I think that's an ongoing deal in the relationship. Um, and you're talking about a, a, a catch, a throw and catch relationship more than a off the field relationship. Cause I think those are really good with those guys. They do hang out and all that, but it's when to back shoulder, when to take them over the top, when to fade them to the sidelines. And what are you thinking here? And how long does my release take versus this type of press uh, versus press bail? What kind of release am I getting? All those kind of things that, um, are unspoken, uh, and uh, you kind of know where each guy's going to be and where the ball's going to be, and you know when he trusts you to uh, turn the correct way when he puts it on one shoulder or the other. I think those are um, things that do take time, and I think um, coaches and players. Hopefully, you're never satisfied, even when those guys are seniors. Uh, Matt, what's the latest on your running back? I know he had some problems off the field. Uh, do you expect Thompson to play this Saturday? I do, Kurt. Okay. So, do you just handle all that internally? or Yes, sir. Yes. And uh, a personal question, you're a quarterback. I mean, I don't know why – why weren't you an Oklahoma Sooner uh, coming out of that state? You probably ask Gary Gibbs that, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you had to go, how'd you end up in Utah State? Well, ended up not getting offered by Oklahoma the last weekend of, rec- of recruiting. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's a true story. Um, Were they in on that, you, Matt? Huh? Were they in on you, OU? Yeah, I was on an, uh, you know, I took an official visit and thought I was going to get offered and didn't. That's, that's the reality. Texas was recruiting me. That was Coach Makovic. Uh, James Blackwood was recruiting. Um, nice. They made a change at the end. Of, that was my senior year. Um, they ended up not offering. Um, Utah State had offered early. Charlie Weatherby was the head coach. Oh, yeah. He was recruiting me to go to Arkansas. Jim Zorn was going to be the offensive coordinator at Utah State. And so – Got a chance, you know, I had good relationships with those guys and wanted a chance to go throw the ball and play for Jim Zorn, and and um, and that was an awesome opportunity for me. Very nice. What did your dad do for a living? He was a dentist. A dentist. And you didn't want to follow in his footsteps and be a dentist? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because um, I've, I've, I looked at dentistry for in high school, and – I read that it was one of the most – yeah, look at my choppers. Yeah, you, you can tell I'm a sports writer. But uh, I read that it's one of the most stressful jobs that you could have. And uh, suicide rate's very high among dentists. But what's more stressful, a dentist being the son of one or a, or a football coach? Which one's more stressful? I'd just say uh, they're both probably right up there. <laughs> you probably have perfect teeth, though, don't you? Uh, I had to have braces because I opened my mouth and made fun of my sister. Uh, <laughs> <on me. laughs> so this uh, gamer bust, you feel like you got what it takes. Y'all can uh, get over that hump and get some real momentum going, Matt? Uh, Kurt, the goal around here is to graduate every one of our players and get to the month of November and compete for a Big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you'll be in a bowl game. So we don't really talk about bowl games. I recognize that we want to be in one. We want to go and win one. But um, we're trying to compete for a championship and get to the month of November, and that's what we're trying to take this program to. Uh, Matt, last one for me. Um, I can't remember Texas being such a high, heavy favorite in Lubbock. It just doesn't doesn't sound right. Uh, do you guys pay attention to any of that, who's favored by how many points, and, and uh, what the perceptions are you – of you are outside of that locker room? No, I, I mean, I think we find our value in, in each other. And I think we find our, our value in, um, you know, trying to make sure that I do everything as a head coach to get our, our players as prepared as well as they can each and every week and that we make progress. I, I want our players to find their value and, um, you know, the way their families think about them and the way their coaches think about them, not the ways that um, media or perception or social media or anybody else, because that can be up one day and down the next day. I mean, um, and I respect the job that you guys do in the media, the guys that report it and they do it the right way like y'all do. Um, but that can be a tough thing for, for people to sit there and continually based on, base their self-worth on someone else's perception of them. Um, I care personally, I care about what my family thinks about me. Okay. How I invest in their lives. My wife and my kids care what my players think about me. I think I care about what Kirby and president Skubanek think about the job that we're doing. Other than that, I'm I'm not going to concern myself with anybody else's opinion outside of that. 
And I really mean that. And I, I hope our players take that same approach. And so until you said that right there, I really wouldn't have known that we were big underdogs. And mm. I don't even know what the number is. So um, I know this, we're going we're gonna to be the best version of Texas Tech we can be this week. And um, I promise you, we'll show up and we'll play hard and we'll play physical. And if we do the things we should, we mm. want to be able to be in the game in the fourth quarter and find a way to win it. That's what we're all going into. Texas is no different. They're going to go into the game thinking they can win too. And that's what two competitive football teams with uh, coaching staffs that think that way, that's what happens. Last question I have, Matt. Is there uh, one big escape for you, an outlet? I don't know if you're a hunter or fisherman, you play golf or whatever. What do you do to kind of escape the stress? In season? Well, both. Kirk, <laughs> <laughs> no. I enjoy playing golf. I really do. Yeah. Um, we, you know, there's a couple courses here in Lubbock. I really enjoy playing our, our campus course, the Rawls and, and Lubbock Country Club. And I've got some guys here in town that are non-coaching friends that I've become good friends with. And I, I do enjoy playing golf. My son plays golf, so I enjoy playing with him in the summer. But last weekend in uh, July, clean the clubs, put them up. Don't bring them back out Yeah. You know, until the spring. Um, so there's I, – I, I, you know, let's – I'm going to answer your question. I try to answer every question directly. I hope mm -hmm. you respect that. Um, we do. I guess That's my true. outlet would be it. I'm just, we're about ball in season. I mean, it's early mornings for me and it's late nights and right. you try to escape it a little bit. It's probably going to, uh, you know, my son's flag football game or his fall baseball game or um, my family, you know, Thursday night, we're hanging around the house and college football's on the TV, but um, you know, it's just probably being around them. Well, Tom Herman mentioned his kid uh, uh, had a winning game Saturday. There were the Westlake fighting armpits. And I don't know, maybe you need to get your sons uh, competing here a little bit, uh, maybe a halftime or something. The armpits, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What's your kid's team name? <laughs> They're the Saints. I had to think about it for a second. Um, the Saints. Okay. The Saints. Yeah, they, I think they all have NFL logo teams. What's his, what's his name? How old is he? His name's Wyatt. He's 11. He's almost 12. Okay. And is he going to be a quarterback? He does play quarterback. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Never fall from the tree, right? Yeah. So, well, Matt, we appreciate it, man. Okay. Thanks, Great to have you on. Hope we can do it in the future. And, uh, we will. I'll be uh, at the game. So, keep everybody safe till then, okay? Okay. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Cedric. Okay. Take care. Thank Good you, Matt. Good luck to you. On Second Thought. Crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. So, Doug, Matt Wells was really interesting, and that's going to be a good game. But, you know, he's got a long way to go before he becomes a legend in Lubbock. But we know a, a guy who's a legend in Austin. He's not even a native Texan. Eric Metcalf, one of 130 nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We had to get him on the, on, on the horn to find out 
what's going on, if he's going to get that, that yellow jacket. What's up, E? I'm a thing. How you guys doing? Hey, we're doing awesome. Hey, congratulations on the nomination, man. And we both think you're a kick-ass guy. We'd love to see you in. Uh, tell me how you got the news. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> That's how everybody gets right? We get all our news these days. <laughs> Twitter. And so, wow. you know, it's, I, you know, I didn't even think about it until I was looking at Twitter and, and I, and I saw people congratulating me and I, and, and then the, then the list was on and, you know, it's, it's a, a great honor. I mean, just to, to be considered, uh, for the the hardest club in in the world to get into, <laughs> and so exactly. if people even even think of me in, in that respect, it, it it makes it fun and worthwhile. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm going to hit the, our listeners with a few numbers. I mean, the case is there: uh, three Pro Bowls, two-time All-Pro, over seventeen thousand All-Purpose yards. That ranks seventeenth all-time. And and I'm going to tell you who you're in front of. Just a few names that you're that you had more yards in your career. Tony Dorsett, Thurman Thomas, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Eric Dickerson, and God rest his soul, Gail Sayers. So those are those are all Hall of Fame members. You had more yards in your career than they did. And I gotta ask you, man, because you while you follow the game and you see guys like Christian McCaffrey catching eight or nine passes. With Danny and Tomlinson catching all these passes, they didn't know what to do with you back in the day. You played a little bit of running back, played a little bit of receiver. How much money would Eric Metcalf make in today's NFL? Well, Christian McCaffrey got sixty-four million, so I'd, I'd make at least that. <laughs> well, well, it's good to know you're not keeping up. <laughs> hey, and I'm gonna go back and tell you with that list, and you mentioned all those guys uh, that I'm ahead of. I, I, I will say this: that none of those guys return kicks or punts, and so exactly that, that's that's, that's a little different. I had to lead on that. So I, had, I had a I had an opportunity to get more yards doing doing something else, but at the time of retirement, I was in the top ten. Oh yes. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, so yeah. And you is there a, not a red flag or a black mark against returners? Yards are yards, okay. And we all know how dangerous returning punts and kickoffs can be. So it is does it not get the full credit? That kick returners deserve, you think, Eric? I, not at all. I mean, when when you think about it, I mean, no, you you never heard of a returner going into the the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and and no one really gets credit, special teams for that for that, for that matter. Right. right. And, but it's a, a a very vital part of the game. I mean, they just started putting kickers in. No one mm -hmm. respected them, but they win games. And and, and 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 when you're talking about returners, these guys change the field position for offenses. They make it easier on offense, whether it be a punt return, whether it be a, a kickoff return. And so it, it, to give you, when you have a great returner, it gives you uh, less first downs that your offense has to get if that guy averages over 10 yards <laughs> on a returner or averages over 30 yards as a kick returner. It's a third of the game. I mean – Right. I don't know why there's this perception that they're less of a football player. It's a little bit like, you know, 
uh, DHs in baseball. They're finally starting to put closers in in baseball. But I don't know how you change the perception of that, Sid. What do you think? I, I, I don't know how you change it, but uh, I think that Gale Sayers kind of put return guys on the map. That just showed how scary a return guy can be. And then Metcalf comes along and – and then a, a, a decade or so later, you get Devin Hester. And, and so those, those guys are game changers. And if you, can, if you can flip a field like a punter can flip a field um, as a return man, that is vital. That is vital. And, I, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, between Gail Sayers and Metcalf, you had a guy by the name of Billy White Shoes Johnson with the Houston Oilers. We, right. we and Metcalf are in the same age group. We grew up watching that guy, and right. he electrified. Now, Earl got a lot of the, the headlines, but Billy White Shoes Johnson was a cult hero. And so I think, I think those guys have always been a vital part of the game. And uh, Metcalf, I, I know you're in a, a, a prestigious finalist group along with your fellow Texas Longhorns, Priest Holmes and Big Casey Hampton. Have you talked to those guys since this news came out, and how exciting is it to be considered with them? I, I haven't talked to them, but, you know, when, when you look at, at the list, you look at all the people who you either know or you, or you played with or you uh, went to the same school with, and, 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 and you, you feel something special for them because you're like, God, this, this, we're all from the same school or we, we all grew up together or we all played in the same team. That's fun. And so, you know, I'm happy for those guys that, and, I, and I pray that everybody gets in. I, you know, we, we never know what's going to happen. That I, I, wish the, I wish the voters, you know, in, in my case, I wish the voters would go to – NFL teams and sit in a special teams room, and then they'll find out how important it is, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you find it, when you sit in the meetings, you'll find out how important it is because that's what the coaches will be stressing. And then you, got, then you have your head coach talking about, we got to win in all three phases of the game. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough deal. I mean, it's like you said, like I said, it's, it's an honor to be mentioned with, with these guys at, at any point, but, uh, they need to stop playing with my emotions. <laughs> my emotions. Oh, I know. <laughs> I hear that, man. I hear it. It's time. Well, the heck with being in a meeting. Have him return a punt with those guys barreling down on you in kickoffs, guys running at full speed. Now, they're changing the rules, obviously, right. to make it safer. What were some of your memories as a punt returner, kick returner in the NFL? Then what was the biggest hit that you ever uh, suffered in an NFL game doing one of those things? Well, I, I think my, my biggest memory is, you know, most people when they think of me, uh, they think of me as a punt returner. And so well, I think my biggest memory is uh, going into the NFL, all I could think of, I do not want to return punts. <laughs> I, did, I did not want to return punts because all I could think of, now we're at the highest level. Right. These guys are kicking the ball and, and four-plus hang time. And these guys are running full speed down down the field to tackle. I don't want to return punts. And fortunately, when I got to uh, Cleveland, we still had Gerald McNeil. Oh, the ice cube. So, yeah. Right, so, so, so I didn't have to return punts. I only returned <laughs> kicks my, my first two years. Oh, nice. And, and so I, I, was, I, was, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. And, and then uh, once uh, Bill Belichick became our coach, he was like, I need you to return punts, and you want the ball 
more than you, you usually get it. So this is just another opportunity for get the, to get the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I, I wasn't really excited about it, but I'll do it. <laughs> but then, you know, I got to thinking, it's, it's actually safer to return a punt. You think so? Because, because the ball's hanging up there. You don't have to catch it. Well, that's true. Yeah, you better if you're going to stay in the league, you better catch it. Well, I'm, but but when you think about it, you don't have to catch the ball. True, true. You could, you could always fair catch it. Yeah. And then if the and then if the guy is is too smart for his own good, meaning the punter, and he out kicks his coverage, you run it back down their throat. There you <laughs> whereas go. Oh, whereas, yeah. a, whereas as a kick returner, they're kicking the ball, and if it's in the field of play, and even back when it wasn't the one or two yards deep, you were bringing it out. Mm-hmm. And so, pros, they stay in their lane. So it was a lot harder because these guys are running full speed, running over your blockers and everything, and now they're taking you out. And that goes back to the second part of your question. Uh, I was playing the Seahawks one year on a kick, and I was uh, – I remember running. It was a return left, and I started running left, and somebody came running full speed from my right side, so I never saw him. And almost decapitated me, and so that, that, that's why wow. this is why I don't want to return kicks anymore. <laughs> did you get up from that one? I, I did, I did. Oh, then I held on to the ball. Like hey, you mentioned, Belichick. Uh, what was it like playing for him, and why didn't it work in Cleveland? Well, it was it it it, it was a it was a good it was fun it was a learning experience playing with Bill. We know when Bill came to. Uh, Cleveland. He was coming from the Giants under Coach Parcells. They had won a Copa Super Bowl, so uh, we all knew how Bill Parcells ran his ship. And so, and so, uh, Belichick came into Cleveland trying to run run the ship the same way. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for us, uh, he wanted to do it his way. We had stubborn vets who wanted to do it our way, and it was (laughs) it was just a head to head tussle the whole time and and but you could always tell that Bill, Bill was going to be a, a very good coach mm-hmm. it was just a matter of him getting his system in like he wanted his players like he he wanted and 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 it took some time and, and towards the end uh we started winning games it just didn't I got traded and then they moved and he got fired and everything like that and and obviously it's worked out for him I was I was looking at the staff and and, and assistants <laughs> did it on that team Oh yeah, Belichick, Ozzie Newsom, Scott Pioli, Jim Schwartz, Eric Mangini, Mike Tannenbaum, Thomas Dimitrov, who built the Falcons. I mean, uh, those were you had some all-star caliber. Wasn't Nick Saban? Nick Saban, Kirk yeah. Ferenz, Nick Saban, Kirk Ferenz, Al Groh. Oh my God, uh, George wow. Kikanis, who was a, a GM at the Browns one time. Um, That's like a Hall of Fame staff. That is a Hall of Pat Fame. Hill. Pat Hill. Um, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, Marty Morningwig, I think, may have been in that mix. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he, he was in that mix as well. So, um, <clears throat> Kirk has a story about your recruitment to <laughs> Texas. And I don't know if you've ever heard this story, Metcalf, but he's okay. told it to us a couple of times. And, I'm gonna, Duck, I'm going to let you have the floor. You tell Metcalf 
your part in him coming to Texas. Well, Eric, I don't know if we've ever talked about this or not, but uh, this is back in the uh, in the mid '80s there uh, before you'd uh, committed to sign with anybody. And uh, I remember I'd talked to you and followed recruiting back then, and you, your mind hadn't been made up. I know you were considering Miami and uh, Notre Dame, and I think Georgia was on the list. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to run track and long jump as well as play football. And it was late. It was, I don't know, a few days before or two days before signing day. And I was talking to Fred Akers, and they had just lost a couple of high-profile running back uh, prospects that they were recruiting. And I said, uh, hey, I, I don't know if you're still looking into – Eric Metcalf or not, but Jesus, he's terrific. And, uh, you know, two sport versatile athlete. And I was curious that, uh, are you still in on him? Are y'all looking at him? And he said, well, no, but, uh, you know, we just lost a couple of chances. So do you have his number? <laughs> and so I gave Fred Akers the number and he called you and then you committed and the rest is history. So I was curious what you remember about that time. That, that that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, because I, I mean, I mean, you know, it's because I, I actually, like you said, I committed to Miami. Right. I, I didn't. Uh, my parents weren't having it. Right. They were not, they were not gonna let me go there. Not feeling the you. No, no, no. That was a Michael they Irvin. To, you. They didn't want me to be on that thirty for thirty. <laughs> Aaron Hernandez you we don't want none of that you huh? right. and so and so then um so I was still trying to convince my parents that Miami was the place for me and so I didn't tell Miami until signing day that I wasn't I wasn't right. coming I wasn't coming and that's when I I talked to uh coach Akers and he flew back up to see me so he he must have called me, or I called him, and got got once he got you my number from you. He must have called me, and I said, "Come on up," and then the rest is history. And 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 I and I do know a story that Coach Blackwood used to always tell me that uh, it it was funny because even prior to that, he said none of the uh, assistant coaches really wanted me. No, whoa, why? He, he told me that they they felt like um, what I was doing in high school. It was because I was playing in a uh, Catholic school league, and I couldn't do that against the oh uh, wow football players in in, in Texas. Wow! And, and he said, and Coach Aker said he didn't care what they thought; he he still wanted me. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Well, that I mean, Cedric, think about it. Signing day, and as great a talent as Eric hadn't signed with anybody, and then he ends up becoming one of the best Longhorns ever. And because and you and you help make that happen. And uh, <laughs> hey, Metcalf, uh, he has Venmo and PayPal. So <laughs> I, I got you. <laughs> hey, I got it, you. it wouldn't have mattered where he'd have gone. He'd have been the same <laughs> car. I promise you that. So I mean, you had a great track career. You know, won a couple of national championships in the long jump, ran sprints and relays and stuff like that. But you were never in the Olympics, like a Marquise Goodwin you know, former Longhorn receiver. Was that – was there any regret there since you had Olympic caliber 
athleticism in those events? None whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I say that, and I was, and I say that with respect to track and field because I love track and field. Uh, but, but my goal was always to, to go to the NFL. And in and, and, and track, my goal was to win the national title uh, four right. times. Mm-hmm. And so I won in my freshman year, my, my sophomore year, I, I got third place, but I was winning when I was putting my clothes on. So in my mind, I won that year also. And then, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then um, my junior year, I, uh, I, I won it again. And so because I couldn't win it four years in a row, I decided not to jump my yeah. senior year and get ready for the, the, um, the, draft. the, the draft. But 88 was the summer before uh, – before my senior year. And so that yeah. would have been that, those Olympics. And so that was the only time in, in my life, I think, that I didn't want to win something. Wow. Because, because I knew in my mind, I knew that the, the Olympics were in Seoul and they were in September. Mm-hmm. So I would have had to miss football. Right. And there was no chance that was going to happen because I was, at the time, a, a Heisman candidate. And in my mind, I'd rather have the Heisman trophy than a medal any day. I hear that. Did you want to go medal in the Olympics? No, I couldn't because Carl, you got Carl Lewis and Mike Powell and, yeah. and Mike Conley and all those guys and Larry Myers. Those guys were, they were phenomenal. And, and so I, I knew that wasn't going to happen, but just to make the team, I mean, it would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been as cool as winning the Heisman Trophy. There are a lot of people who have medals that we've never, ever heard of, but there's <laughs> only so many people that have a Heisman Trophy. Man, ain't that the so, truth? Hey, who's so, the, I would have loved to have been in that crowd, in that, that club as well. Yeah. You follow the NFL. Who, who, who's, who's Eric Metcalf in today's game? When you see that guy, you go, oh, that's a little bit of me right there. Is there a guy out there that, that brings that to mind? You know, I don't, I don't ever think of it in that respect. I, I, I think of it as, as guys, because everybody's different. Yeah, no matter, every, everyone's different. No matter if you play the same position, no matter if one guy has speed or has a lot of moves or what have you, everyone does it differently. So I don't ever think about, ooh, that, I, I, that kind of reminds me of myself. I think about guys who do all the things that I've done. That I I think, who, are, who are those guys? Like, like, of course, Christian McCaffrey. You got Alvin Kamara. Oh, I love him. Um, you got uh, Kareem Hunt when he's doing it. Dalvin Cook. Guys who actually run the ball and, and, and catch the ball and, and can be split out at, at times as, as receivers. And so, I mean, granted, none of these guys uh, return kicks and punts or mm-hmm. anymore, but it's more specialized now though, isn't it? You don't, it, you don't, you don't see the star players doing a whole lot of returning. No, you don't, because I think that everybody's worried about them getting hurt and, and all that, but, but it is another opportunity for them to have the ball. And, and, and with the way the, the, the game is played today, these, these guys, they can stay in every down now. Yeah. They're not because they're not pounding in between the tackles uh most of the time and then coming in, you then bringing these guys in third down, they're spread out. So they're for mo- for the most part, they're always in space and so they can play all the time. So to be a returner as well, it would be a, it would be hard. And you got traded uh how do you play for was seven teams? Yeah. Seven, mm-hmm. seven teams and you I got played tra- for one team, let me tell it. <laughs> 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 but you were nice for the Falcons. I, I, I was, I was starting to 
would mess with the Falcons a little bit. You were nice for the Falcons. Well, I had, I had a good time there, but yeah, I, I like to just refer to myself as a Cleveland Brown. But I, but yeah, I, I got traded twice in my career, so that's why I was leaving. That's why I played with all those teams. And you got traded by San Diego, right? I got, yeah, I got traded by the Browns to Arizona. Atlanta first, and then I went to San Diego as a free agent after that, and then they traded me to Arizona. And tell and tell everybody why San Diego traded you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, tell everybody who they wanted. They, they traded me to move up one pick to draft Ryan Leaf. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. How'd that work out? How'd that work out? After, after, I just, after I went to the Pro Bowl with them as well. Wow. So I went to the Pro Bowl to trade him, and they traded me. But you know what even makes it crazier? Not, not that they actually did it, but uh, – oh, week or two before they actually paid me my roster bonus a week or two before i yeah. love them for oh. that they paid me my roster bonus and then traded me who was the gm was that aj smith no it was it was bobby Beathard. it was oh wow who, who i had known forever because he was working uh, with, with the, my dad he worked with my dad at the redskins and everything and and i'll never forget he called me he's like i'm sorry but we're gonna Wow. We're going to have to trade you. This is what we're trying to do. And I'm like, hey, I'm hey, cool. They, cool. Okay. And the Chargers got a guy, Austin Eckler, who's got a little bit of your skills. Great. Not as fast. Not Running nearly, back. But not nearly as hand. fast. Good receiver. So, yeah. oh, not as a blur like Eric. I mean, but that's how the game's played. Well, and, and most teams are getting guys like that who can – do everything because it, it makes it easier for them to, to stay on the field and, and it makes it harder for the defense to know what's coming just because you're not rotating that many running backs in. Yeah. What do you run the 40 in? Fast enough to score touchdowns. <laughs> or something. <laughs> uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you, uh, you know, for our listeners. Uh, I know the wildfires have been a big story on the West Coast. You live in Seattle, born and raised. And, uh, how, how has that affected your day-to-day here in the last three weeks? It was tough for a minute because they were telling us, don't go outside. And, it, it was, and, I'm, and I walk every day. I walk like nine miles every morning. Nine? So, so, yeah, so, yeah, with my weight vest on. And, wow. Yeah, and so it, it, it was rough on me because I'm like, what am I going to do? So the first couple of days, I, I I went out, I braved it and went out there with my mask on and, and, and walked it. and and But then the, uh, the last few days it, it, of, of the actual haziness and smoke, uh, it was just unbearable. And so you couldn't even see. You couldn't see too far in front of you. And so I didn't go out there. And so I just... I, I walked seven miles on my treadmill, which is <laughs> not the same. <laughs> no, I hate treadmills. I hate them. Oh, it's it's the not worst. the same, the but I, I watch TV, and I and it's crazy because I tried to walk fast on the treadmill, but I actually walked uh, the nine miles outside almost as fast as I do on, on the treadmill. Wow. You know, Eric and I have a lot in common. I mean, he walks nine miles every morning. I, I, I go about nine miles a month. So yeah, we we got a whole lot in common. There. Another thing that smoke really affected was my my cigar habit. Oh really? Oh wow! Yeah, I, couldn't I couldn't go out there and and, and light up <laughs> because because you can't smoke in the house. 
I can. But you don't. Sometimes. Nobody wants, that, <laughs> nobody wants that cigar smell in the house, man, Cab. You can't have people over walk in. It's like, man, where's the Febreze? I mean, hey, I'm not having people over right now anyway. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, 2020 is not a social year, I don't think. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So how's the family? How's everybody? Everybody's good. Uh, oldest daughter just got her master's from UNT. Wow. Nice. Very nice. She's going to take a year off and then uh, go for a PhD. Uh, My son is at uh, ASU playing football. Arizona State? Yes. What's his name? Makai. Makai. And what's his class? Uh, Well, he'll be a redshirt sophomore. He he started at um, Montana State. Okay. He transferred to ASU last year, so we had to sit out, and so now he'll be able to play. Playing for her. Oh, he's yeah. not returning punts, is he? He's, no, he's too big. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's 6'4". Oh, my goodness. Wait a minute. Where do you get that height? You and your dad are very tall. I'm a breeder. Oh, very nice. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, no, no, my, wife, my wife's family, her, her dad and her brother and, and sister, her dad was 6'4", her brother's was 6'3", and mm-hmm. her sister's tall, and so she just, nice. she just isn't. But, and so, so he got that. And then my brother is 6'4", is, is and so wow. and my dad and all my dad's brothers were over six foot, and so – he and I were the, the short ones, and so I were the short ones. So, hey, so, so my son got the height from, I guess, combined. <laughs> hey, clear this up. Uh, are you are y'all kin to DK Metcalf or not? I'm tired. That's all I'm reading. DK <laughs> says that, that you, you and uh, your dad Terry and him and his dad. There's some cousins in there because. Arkansas and Mississippi pretty close together. Right, you clear that up. I mean, that, that, that's the case. I mean, it could be. I mean, my my. Uh, who we like to call the Alex Haley of our family, was said she was gonna gonna look into it, but and so they're, they're, we we don't know for sure. I mean, there could be. I mean, but, but we don't know. So I mean, if he goes out there and keeps going test down, we're gonna claim it. That dude is ripped. Oh my, he, he is a scary looking specimen. I mean, he got overlooked. He got the like second him. round, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was ticked off. He got overlooked first round, but yeah, he's got. You remember help. the? Do you remember the scene? We walked in um, to the uh, meeting with Pete Carroll, and he Not had his shirt, shirt off, and then Pete right. his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. You did that with Belichick, didn't you, Eric? <laughs> you walk in the Belichick's office without your shirt on. Probably. <laughs> hey, because hey, hey, I knew my body looked better than his. <laughs> oh, God. oh, my God. Oh, well, I tell you what, this, this has been fun. We could do this all day. I mean, Eric, you're one of the most dynamic and versatile and best athletes ever at the University of Texas. And, you know, you're up there with, as far as a two sports star with the Lamb Jones and, and the Bobby Lanes and James Streets. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to, to have covered you, to watch you over the years. And, you know, we just uh, root for you to get in that Pro Football Hall of Fame, buddy. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, my man, we'll do it again real soon. When, they, when it's time for that yellow jacket, don't get brand new on us and ignore our call. No, I'm talking to everybody. I get a yellow jacket. <laughs> when you really light up that cigar. I love you're, it. You're going to hear me coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
Love it. Well, man, hey, we appreciate it, Eric, man. And be safe. And uh, uh, we'll do it again pretty soon. All right. Thank you. Be safe as well. Congratulations, Eric. Thank you. On Second Thought. Great, Eric Metcalf, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Always a pleasure. And, uh, Doug, that's going to do it for us for episode 193 of On Second Thought. Thanks to Metcalf and thanks to Texas Tech coach Matt Wells for joining us. For the Doug Kirk Balls, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.